Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. What is up? We're 3-0, baby! All right, Miami! All right, Miami! Yeah, channeling a little of our inner mad dogs. You got it. You got to channel the mad dog when the Dolphins go 3-0 to start the season. And it is just a great... I mean, it feels good to be a Dolphin fan right now. Three... Those are tingling. The toes are tingling at scrappy victories. The Dolphins are sitting alone atop the AFC East as we record this episode. They are one of four remaining unbeaten teams in the National Football League. One of only two unbeaten teams in the AFC. It's a beautiful thing. Your Miami Dolphins are 3-0 following a 28-20 come-from-behind victory over the Oakland Raiders at Hard Rock Stadium. This evening. And I have to tell you, when the, and if you follow us on Twitter at same old dolphins, you saw me tweet when the Raiders went up 10 points. They scored that touchdown on the opening drive of the second half. And it was their second really long drive. Granted, it was the first one that actually ended in a touch, first really long drive that ended in a touchdown. Um, the feeling that I had was this game's not over. I don't want to say this is, it's all over. But it is going to take some kind of incredible turnaround for the Miami Dolphins to win this game because it really just felt like at that point, um, William Hayes had gone out with his injury. Akeem Spence uh, had, I believe, been ejected already at that point. And it was just... It was not looking good for the Dolphins. It seemed like the defense was getting worn out and the Raiders were just having their way with us defensively. And it just seemed like inevitably the the Raiders were just going to grind their way to a victory over us. But lo and behold, this Miami Dolphins team had an answer and they came all the way back and ended up winning it, ended up winning it fairly comfortably. They gave up the field goal on the, on the final drive of the game for the Raiders. Um, But it ended up being a a relatively comfortable win after the big touchdown pass from Tannehill to Albert Wilson. This was a great, yeah, I know it's Tannehill. Tannehill had some great numbers in this game and we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Tannehill had some great numbers in this, but, but they were, they were aided by a couple of plays that count as touchdown passes one to Jakeem Grant and, and one to Albert Wilson that went for big gains and touchdowns. Um, that were essentially run plays, but because of the direction that the ball was flicked to the receiver coming across, it counts as a pass. And listen, I, I, I'll take it. Tannehill will take it. Any Dolphin fan is going to take it because at the end of the day, the Dolphins beat the Raiders 28 nothing. They're three and oh, and it is a beautiful thing. What a time to be alive. Brain, tell me. Before we get into it, before we get into our positives and negatives as we normally do, tell me what the big thing, your one big takeaway is from this game. Big plays. The Dolphins' offense can create big plays. And this is something that has been missing from this offense for really as long as I could remember. Really, 
it it's been since Dan Marino retired and probably the last couple of years of Marino's career, uh, big plays were just something very difficult to come by for the Dolphins offense. We've been mired in about 20 years or at least 15 years or so of grinded out football, trying to win games 16 to 13, long drives, 15 play touchdown drives, 10 play drives that stall out inside the 20 where you have to settle for a field goal. This is what we've grown accustomed to as Dolphin fans because they just cannot connect on a big play. We've seen some examples of some big plays. And in this one, we saw multiple, multiple big plays, uh, three long touchdowns and a couple of long passes uh, that, that didn't go for touchdowns. But where I, I believe we got a 40-yard gain on a throw to, to Devontae Parker down the sideline. I mean, of all players to catch a pass, a long pass down the sideline, Devontae Parker showing up. I mean, Tannehill was on the money in this game. He he did miss. He had a couple of throws where he wasn't exactly on target. But, I mean, are you going to expect him to be perfect? I mean, not even Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Drew Brees. These guys aren't perfect. And they're not going to make every single throw. But Ryan Tannehill played about as well uh, as as a quarterback can play, not just as well as Ryan Tannehill could play. He played about as well as a quarterback could play in this game, given what he was asked to do, which was not a ton, which I still maintain that's the recipe. But the Dolphins ran 39 plays in this game. They only ran 39 plays and they scored 28 points. And that's without a defensive touchdown. That's without a special teams touchdown. That is just all offense. They they were, Oakland ran 74 plays. The Dolphins ran 39. And granted, Oakland outgained Miami. But Miami still put up 373 yards and 28 points on 39 plays. That is absurd. I would love to see the stats because I'm pretty sure that if you if you run you know run the stats most of the time when a team is outsnapping the other team by 35 or more snaps that team that is taking the most snaps is winning that football game. Yeah, I would I would think so. I would say and, the vast and, majority of the time that's going to be the case. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you. Not in this game, baby. How about Ryan Tannehill's number? 17 to 23 for 289 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and uh, a passer rating of 155.3, the second highest passer rating in the history of the Miami Dolphins. Well, with a qualified number of pass attempts, because with a, with, yeah, with a minimum of twenty pass attempts, correct? Because Albert Wilson had a perfect passer rating, which sure. is one fifty eight point three, because he was one for one for fifty two yards and a touchdown. That's correct. That's correct. Ryan, but Ryan Tannehill, seventeen to twenty three, two hundred eighty nine yards, three touchdowns, the one fifty five point three passer rating, the highest in the history of the Dolphins, with a minimum of twenty pass attempts. Brain, do you know who the one who had the one performance that had a higher um, efficiency 
rating. Do you know who the quarterback was and what I'm, the game I, was? The only thing that could come to mind, if it's not Tannehill, because I know you had that crazy game against the Cardinals a few years back where he threw for like 500 yards or 400 something, and Brian Hartline had like 200 yards receiving. But I seem to remember a Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys where Jay Fiedler absolutely lit it up and uh, threw like three long touchdown passes uh, and and just absolutely scorched the Cowboys and we put up like 38 points on them on Thanksgiving. That is exactly correct. Jay oh. Fiedler, Jay Fiedler, a 156.0 rating in 2003 at Dallas. Uh, but I mean, when you're talking about these kinds of performances, that's a really, really great thing. So a very, very big positive to take away um, to start as you look at this big, big win for the Dolphins. Other positives in this game for you, Brain. Let's let's talk about them. I mean, I think first off, I, I just I don't think we can go any further talking about this game without just giving an enormous tip of the cap to this defense. Because this defense was worn down and looked like they were just done for. When Oakland scored that touchdown early in the second half, it looked like the, the Dolphins were done for defensively. The defensive line just seemed exhausted. It really seemed like the Dolphins were becoming the victim of being out on the field in the heat in their stadium, which is not usually the way it goes. It's usually the visiting team that that happens to, but it really looked like it was the Dolphins losing two defensive linemen, William Hayes, to what looked like a pretty scary knee injury, um, and Akeem Spence getting ejected for grabbing a Raiders player's helmet and, and ripping it off. An understandable ejection, though I didn't see it when it when I first heard the ejection. I was like, what happened? Then I saw the replay and OK, yeah, fair, fair enough. He he was ejected rightfully so. But it really looked like the defense was going to get was just wearing down and it was just looking like it was going to be a really long afternoon for the Miami Dolphins. But lo and behold, this team dug deep. Vincent Taylor had an incredible game. He was all over the place. Xavier Howard with two picks again, including another one in the end zone. Uh, I mean, uh, Robert Quinn and Cam Wake getting pressure on Derek Carr. It, it was just a really gutsy, impressive showing from the Miami Dolphins defense. And, and I just can't say enough about what an impressive performance that was, Brian. Yeah, it was gutsy. I think gutsy is the right word. Um, what we've seen now two weeks in a row is we've seen the Dolphins have a defensive lineman, a defensive tackle actually, get hurt and they've needed other guys to step up that we weren't sure if they were going to be able to step up and they've stepped up. And last week it was William Hayes and Devon Godchow. And in this game, it was Vincent Taylor, the second-year defensive tackle, who made a couple of really impactful plays. I know there was, a, I want to say, a third-and-goal play where uh, Marshawn Lynch caught the ball out of the backfield, and it was Vincent Taylor chasing the play down from his defensive tackle position to force him out of bounds and not allow him to get any kind of head of steam, which, you know, Marshawn Lynch with a head of steam, that could end up being a touchdown. Uh, and then 
He had a sack uh, later later in the fourth quarter. Really, Vincent Taylor, one of the more underappreciated defensive linemen on in this rotation, really stepped up and had himself an impactful game. So I thought uh, he he came up really big. Xavier Howard is absolutely taking that step that we all hoped that he would. He is, he is, if not the best, he is one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League right now. He is, he is here. He is making him, his presence known. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to be a pro bowler this year. So if he's a pro bowler and that's your definition of one of the best, then yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I don't want to keep too much hyperbole on him for uh, what is essentially, you know, he played really well the second half of last year and he's played really well in the first three games of this year. And I am bought in and I'm completely sold that he's going to be a Pro Bowl corner this year. I don't know how elite he could be uh, and I don't want to overblow it in a matchup against Amari Cooper who I am just not sold on Amari Cooper as a number one wide Man, receiver. Man, was he bad today. I mean, yeah. just a lot of I mean, he's he's developed a problem last year with drops, and it carried over to this year. And it just seems like he had the one big year, and maybe that's all you're going to get from him. He's just very unimpressive. I just think Amari Cooper is a guy that you know he he can get him he can get open a little bit, but he doesn't have great hands. He's not a big run after the catch guy. Uh, so he's kind of a possession receiver that has trouble catching the ball, which that is not a good uh, combination to be. And that's really not a number one receiver. So, um, yeah, but that said, he is the best receiver on that team. Uh, you might not have known that based on today's game because the Dolphins had all sorts of problems covering Jordy Nelson. But Amari Cooper is the best receiver on that team, and Xavier Howard spent the majority of the day absolutely shutting him down. And that is a beautiful thing to behold, and I think that's why Xavier Howard is among – I think that is not going to be the last scalp that Xavier Howard claims this season. We'll and I'll it, tell you what's we'll more important. I'll, t- I'll tell you what's more important than, shutting, than just shutting down Amari Cooper. What Xavier Howard has shown is when he has the opportunity to make a play, he makes the play. He comes up with the interception. The Dolphins' defensive backs had a couple opportunities in this game to make big game-changing plays. Uh, TJ McDonald dropped an interception. Torrey McTire dropped an interception. And these were like surefire interceptions that occurred on the Raiders side of the 50. And they dropped the ball. When Xavier Howard got his hands on the ball, he made the play that turned the game, including the biggest play of the game. And yes, I'm including the play that put the Dolphins ahead the trick play, the pass by Albert Wilson, that was a huge play. But the play, the biggest play of the game was absolutely Xavier Howard's interception in the end zone in the fourth quarter. Oh, absolutely. Because without that, the Raiders are going right down the field and and taking the lead back for themselves. Instead, Howard gets the interception and gives the Dolphins a little bit of breathing room. 
Uh, and the chance to put the game away, which they which did. Which they did which, on the Albert That's Wilson my other touchdown. biggest takeaway is that for the third week in a row, with an opportunity late in the game to put the game away, the Dolphins did it for the third week in a row. They, they wasn't, we were sitting back waiting and, and hoping that the other team screwed up where we went into some prevent and we just hoped that they, that they couldn't make enough plays or they'd run out of time. The Dolphins offense put the game away for the third week in a row. Yeah, and that is certainly a change of pace. You know, you talk about, are these the same old Dolphins? Based on three weeks, they are not the same old Dolphins. Based on three weeks. But, you know, can you make a big judgment call based on three weeks? I don't think so. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. But uh, let's talk about some other positives here. Obviously, the creative play calling was terrific. Finding ways to utilize the incredible skill players that this Dolphins team has at its disposal. It was great to see some creative play calling, getting Jakeem Grant in again on that short little shovel pass across the middle, getting uh, Albert Wilson, his touchdown on the shovel pass across the middle, the crazy handoff. Plus then it's like a double reverse to Albert Wilson, who then rolls out and finds Jakeem Grant for the touchdown pass. It was fantastic. And you sort of got the feeling that Miami was sort of trying to figure things out. Where could they, where could they get a little, a little creative and a little bit crafty? You felt like this was something that was maybe in the docket. And, and there it was. Lo and behold, Albert Wilson throwing a pass. And I would venture to say that's probably not the last time we're going to see Albert Wilson throw a pass this season. So, uh, really great creativity from the offense today. Makes you, makes you wonder why you don't see some better play calling early on in the game. Because there was also, for all of the creativity and really clever stuff the Dolphins did offensively, there was also a, a lot of sort of just dreadful play calling. Um, the couple of times that the Dolphins found themselves in first and 20, running it on first and 20, and then throwing a screen on second and really long, not the kind of best stuff, not to, not to get it like super nitpicky about anything like that, but that's, you know, there, there have always been times where Adam Gase's play calling hasn't been the best, and there were more examples of that today, even though there were also examples of Adam Gase really digging deep into the playbook and coming up with some amazing things. Um, other positives in this game for you, Brian, is there anything else you can think of? What other positives, positive takeaways from this game against Oakland? Uh, I think the offensive line had a good game. Yeah, they um, did. At least at least when it comes to pass protection, they didn't generate right. a whole lot of room for running the ball, but I think that was part of Oakland's plan. Oakland came in and they said, "We are not going to let the Dolphins beat us on the ground." They stacked the box and the Dolphins were really unable to generate anything on the ground. They said, "We're going to make Ryan Tannehill beat us in the air." So he did. But uh, you know, but when it came to protecting Ryan Tannehill, uh, they largely did a much better job in this game than they did last week. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much what I meant. Um, the run blocking was not great. Uh, I also think you know it, it, you could criticize a little bit of the play calling um, early in the game. You know, when we did the preview to this game, we talked a lot about how uh, the Raiders really struggled to stop the run 
when taken out of their base personnel, when when you force them to run nickel. And it looked like the Raiders knew that, and they played a lot of their base defense on first and second down. And I didn't think that the Dolphins did enough to try to get the Raiders out of that. Uh, and hence, they had a lot of difficulty running the ball, finding finding running room. But you're right. The, the Raiders' defensive line probably clogged the holes up better than the, than the Dolphins' offensive line created them. And it wasn't all just because they were in 4-3 and they had the box stacked. It was just a matter of uh, the offensive line did not do a great job of pushing the Oakland defensive line off of the line of scrimmage. But they did protect Ryan Tannehill, and that makes all the difference in the world uh, to the passing game because what we've seen from Tannehill is that if you give him time, he can be a pretty good quarterback. Well, and the other encouraging thing out of that, I would say, that directly relates to that is the sort of secret to Ryan Tannehill's success as a passing quarterback has been that the Dolphins have been able to establish a running game and that by establishing the running game, that opened it up for Tannehill to be able to throw the ball. Well, here we're now really looking at two weeks in a row where the Dolphins haven't really run the ball that well. And still, Ryan Tannehill has been able to win the game through the air. And I think that is a very positive sign uh, for the Dolphins going forward. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill played a great game. I I think he's probably the biggest positive of this entire game. I would would rank the positives probably Ryan Tannehill, Xavier Howard, and the play calling and the and the wide receiver play in general. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick Vincent Taylor in that conversation as well. Yeah, well, Vincent Taylor. Player. I yeah I I think Vincent Taylor and I mentioned Vincent Taylor, but I think that's what Vincent Taylor was. He's an honorable mention. You know, I I don't think that Vincent Taylor, you know, was the biggest takeaway of the game, but he certainly made it made a positive impact in a situation where the Dolphins needed badly for one of their defensive tackles to make an impact given the guys that had already gone out. And that's where Vincent Taylor made uh, a big impact. There was a lot of positives in this game and Vincent Taylor was definitely one of them, but none was bigger than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, and I think another positive, if you want to call it that, was the fact that the Dolphins were able to overcome some pretty horrendous officiating in this game. And I am not the kind of guy that likes to rag on the officials and say, oh, this is bad officiating and one-sided officiating. But some of the offensive pass interference calls and the holding calls that were called against this Dolphins team today were just, I just don't know what these referees were looking at. And it was one of those things where the speculation going on was that the league had sort of scouted what the Dolphins were doing on their screenplays and they told the referees to be on the lookout for something and so maybe the the refs were sort of quick on the trigger to throw flags on these kind of plays but I mean there was a drive that the Dolphins were on where it looked like for sure it was the drive where actually Tannehill missed stills and on the end zone where he just right before the half right before the half and the Dolphins were going on this big drive and it looked like they were going to take the lead into halftime and Frank Gore makes this catch on a on a little dump off and ends up going for a first down and the Dolphins are right there heading into a really great spot uh 
right before the half, right before the half, but they call it back for an offensive pass interference on, I believe that penalty was on Jakeem Grant crossing the field, or maybe it was Stills. Either way, they're on a, Stills or Grant, whoever it was, was on a crossing route across the field. Linebacker comes up and bumps him, and the ref flagged the Dolphins for offensive pass interference on that play. It was just an absurd call. It was one of several just absolutely awful penalties in this game. And it seems, and it's a weird thing because with all of the weird uh, roughing the passer kind of penalties that are going on in the NFL right now, that's not what we're complaining about. We're complaining about bad calls that are just in general bad calls, not bad calls that have anything to do with rule changes, just referees doing a terrible job. Um, it, at any rate, the Dolphins were able to overcome that, defeating not only the Oakland Raiders, but also the referees. And they they did what they needed to do, and they got the victory and got themselves up to 3-0. and And with that, let's uh, shift over to the things that uh, the Dolphins are going to want to improve on as they move forward. Obviously, the biggest one is they got to get back to establishing the run, even when teams are stacking the box against them and and forcing them to pass the ball as the Raiders were doing today. This offensive line is really missing Josh Sitton now two games without him and having a hard time getting the running game going. I think that's probably the biggest negative here. uh, One of the biggest negatives in this game anyway. Yeah, I think that's, that's a big one because you talk about how, you know, as hyper-efficient as Ryan Tannehill was in this game, he only threw 23 passes, and that's when he's at his best, when he doesn't have to throw a ton of passes. Now, granted, they they only ran 39 plays, so he still threw the ball uh, on almost two-thirds of the plays, so it's not exactly like they were run first in this game. They were leaning on Ryan Tannehill, but He's going to need the running game to support him. Keep in mind, again, the opponent, Oakland, does not have a pass rush. So it's, you know, you don't have to worry as much about uh, his protection, uh, about him throwing under duress uh, in in this matchup. But there are going to be other matchups where if, if we're a pass-first team – the opponent is going to consistently bring pressure on Ryan Tannehill. And that's where we've seen when Tannehill gets under pressure, uh, the accuracy goes away. The decision-making becomes very questionable and he turns into bad Tannehill and bad Tannehill is pretty bad. As good as good Tannehill is bad. Tannehill is, is as bad and, and the dolphins can't win games. Uh, they're not built to be able to overcome games where they lose the turnover battle. And so it's important for the Dolphins to ha- to be able to keep the defense off balance by running the football. And if they're unable to do that on a consistent basis, I think games like you saw today where Tannehill was so hyper-efficient, don't get used to it if they can't run the football. But if they can run the football and they can protect Tannehill consistently, then I think you could see more games uh, like this, maybe not, you know, 155.3 quarterback rating games, because I think those are those numbers are obviously skewed by uh, about 100 yards worth 
of running after the catch on two of his touchdown passes, uh, which were essentially uh, shovel passes, which are glorified runs. Uh, but the Dolphins definitely need to run the ball better. That's definitely the the biggest negative. I would say the second negative, look, Rashad Jones did not play in this game, and he was sorely missed, and it took the Dolphins pretty much a whole quarter to settle down in the secondary uh, with Minka Fitzpatrick playing at free safety on one of them, uh, on one of the big plays to Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson starts on the strong side slot, uh, goes behind the linebacker, behind the linebackers, just cuts across, and Minka Fitzpatrick steps up, takes a horrendous angle, and just whiffs on on Jordy Nelson, and now there's nobody back there, and Jordy Nelson ends up with like a 70-yard gain. Uh, and then on the same drive, just a couple plays later, Mika Fitzpatrick and Kiko Alonso. I don't know who was supposed to pick up Jordy Nelson on that play. My guess is it was supposed to be uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. But whatever happened there, there was a miscommunication. And Fitzpatrick and Alonso both let Jordy Nelson go for an, an easy touchdown. And what you saw there is question marks the question marks on Minka Fitzpatrick when he came into the league we knew that he was great in the slot we knew that he could be used as a third safety we knew that he could be used as a nickel corner we knew that he is proficient at blitzing out of the nickel corner spot or blitzing from the outside even sometimes could be brought down and played at linebacker but the question was can he play boundary corner? Can he play free safety? I think most people believe boundary corner, that's not something that he's ever going to be good at. But if he can be a starting free safety in the league and not just a player that is great in the nickel, then in my mind, that makes him worth the pick that they spent on him. But if he is only going to be a nickel corner, and granted, he could be the best nickel corner in the league, and that is still a valuable piece. I just don't know that that's a piece that's worth taking the number eight pick on or using the number eight pick on. It's It seems like it's kind of a luxury position. Um, granted, it's early in his career, and he struggled in what was his first start in a new position, and he really only was really bad for one quarter. So I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but I would also say that as the game wore on, it seemed like the Dolphins dropped the two safeties back to kind of just say, look, we're not giving up the big play down the middle anymore. And then the remainder of the game, the Raiders really took to short passes and running the ball and didn't really attack the free safety position. So it's not that Minka Fitzpatrick necessarily cleaned things up, which I'm sure he did a little bit. He didn't blow any coverages, uh, but he wasn't really tested the rest of the game the way he was tested in the first quarter. And in the first quarter, he failed the test miserably. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a rough day for Minka Fitzpatrick for sure. That's definitely another, another negative there, but 
hopefully Rashad Jones isn't out of action too much longer. I think he I would say there's probably a decent shot he'll be back for the Patriots game next week. And if he's not back for that one, he'll for sure be back for the game after that. Um, So a rough week for Minka Fitzpatrick. Another area that was a negative for the Dolphins, in spite of how bad the officiating was just in general, penalties were still a little bit of a problem this week for the Dolphins. Um, We saw a little bit of those discipline issues rear their ugly head. Um, Obviously, Akeem Spence getting ejected. That's not not a smart play. Um, We had some false starts, had some pre-snap penalties in this game. Dolphins penalized nine times for 74 yards in this game. So a little bit disappointing in that regard. That's another negative. Um, but I but mean, again, I mean, how many of those I penalties were, were just really questionable calls? Now, it's not that every a significant number a of them, call. a significant number of them, potentially the off, particularly the offensive pass interference calls were, were bad calls. I mean, you take a couple of those calls away. And I mean, it's it's still not a, not a clean performance, but it doesn't look as bad. So uh, it, you're right; it's it's definitely something that needs to be cleaned up, but uh, probably a bit skewed from a from a couple of bad calls. Yeah, I would say so. But you know, again, still something to clean up going forward. Um, there were some tackling issues that were not great today, and obviously, the Dolphins also looked. A little rough stopping the run at times in this game. But I would say that largely the positives outweigh the negatives in this game. And it really was a a good gutsy win for for the Miami Dolphins. And you've got to feel, you know, fairly confident going 3-0 into Foxborough next week to take on the Patriots with an opportunity to really stake your claim at the top of the AFC East. Um now, I want to read some of the uh, some of the feedback that we've got from some of our friends on social media. On Twitter, at Dolphins End Zone says, this was one of those games that would have been a collapse in the past, but they overcame injuries, they overcame bad calls, they overcame bad play calling. I'm, I'm assuming that means, you know, that's a reference to the first half primarily. And he said, player talent overcame adversity. And, and I would have to agree with that. And a rare positive tweet from at Dolphins End Zone. So uh, I would I would agree with most of those with all of those points um, on Facebook, uh, Facebook dot com slash same old dolphins. Brian Sachs says on the Facebook page, he says it's time to start realizing we have our quarterback. And I, I think that's probably right. I think this is the quarterback that the Dolphins have. That they're going to build this team around and. I think that's I think that's right. I think the Dolphins can win with Ryan Tannehill, as we've said in the past. It's just a matter of making sure the rest of the team around him is good enough to win because Ryan Tannehill isn't going to win you these games by himself. But I, I would absolutely agree that Ryan Tannehill is absolutely this team's franchise quarterback, uh, assuming that he st- it can stay healthy all season. Uh, Jeff Witt also chimes in on Facebook. He says his two biggest positive takeaways. One, Xavier Howard is for real. I would agree. And two, this offense is explosive and scary in a way Miami offenses haven't been since the Wildcat year. And I would agree with that as well. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's true. They're and they're creative in that same kind of way, right? It's not it's not game changing like the Wildcat was, but it's still catching teams off guard. The trick is going to be 
how long can the Dolphins rely on those kind of plays to be the source of their offense? And when will the Dolphins be able to start generating yardage and touchdowns in a more traditional offense? Not to say that they have to, but this is the National Football League. This is the big leagues. And defenses are eventually going to catch up to you. Maybe not this season, but potentially next season or somewhere down the road. So you got to have some other plans. But if I if I had to guess, I would imagine that Adam Gase's play, playbook is going a lot deeper than what we've seen thus far. So everybody's pretty happy here, Brain. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you be? I know. What's not to be happy about? You're 3-0. Nothing not to be happy about. Absolutely. Everybody's excited about 3-0. Now, we did get into some uh, pretty heated conversation on Twitter this afternoon because some people were accusing us of being very negative and being down on the Dolphins. And they were stating to us, these are not the same old Dolphins. These are definitively not the same old Dolphins. And that's the question that we always ask on this show is, are these, in fact, the same old Dolphins? And now that they've started 3-0, can you say definitively that they're not? And I and the point that you and I were making on Twitter was that, no, we're not at a place yet where we can definitively say these are not the same old dolphins. Because when we talk about same old dolphins, we don't just mean the way that the offense looks or the way that the defense looks. It's It's much larger than that sort of small picture kind of stuff. Same old Dolphins is is a very big picture thing, right? And what you said to somebody was like, the fact that the Dolphins are 3-0 and right now doesn't mean that they're not going to, you know, co- go crashing down later in the season. In fact, you said that is the pretty... That is a pretty same old Dolphins thing to do. In fact, one of, I'm going to try to find the exact tweet. You said there's literally nothing more same old Dolphins than starting a season hot, getting fans excited, and then finishing out of the playoffs. Hell, even winning a playoff game is same old Dolphins. I wouldn't change the name of the show until we got to a Super Bowl. Now, I, I, I don't know that I would ever want to change the name of the show because if the Dolphins ended up not actually being the same old Dolphins, then it works ironically in right. that way. But, but, the, but you're right in that I was just- responding to a tweet that said that we should change the name of the show because we were three and oh right and that's what that's what kind of said well are, are you kidding me like we're three and oh and you're ready to just say these aren't the same old dolphins right because look this the same old dolphins thing to do is not to suck the entire year even last year we were what two and one, and I think at one point in the season four and two. Yes, that's right. The Dolphins were four and two at one point <laughs> yeah. last year with Jay Cutler as their quarterback. Right. I mean, every year there is a point in the season where the fans, where the Dolphins give you hope, and then they inevitably crush your hopes and dreams. Right. This that is what is the, the Dolphins same, do. That is the same old Dolphins. So, and three at three and zero. Oh, what they have done is they have set themselves up in a nice position. And what they have also done is they have set themselves up and set the fans up to have their dreams crushed. And I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. 
But you can't be surprised if that happens. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't understand how if if you've been a fan of this team for any significant amount of time, how you could look and stay at three and zero. And again, look, they they've won a pair of home games against mediocre teams. Even if you don't think like the Raiders are 0 and 3 and even if you think well they're better than their record is. And I tend to think they're better than their record is, but at the end of the day they're 0 and 3. But let's say the Raiders are what? Like a 7 and 9 team? I think that's fair. I think that's what most people would say. And the Tennessee Titans are what? Like an 8 and 8 team? Maybe they're a 9 and 7 team? You beat those two teams at home and you want a road game against a bad Jets team that just lost to the Cleveland Browns and is starting a rookie quarterback and you beat the rookie quarterback in his first ever home game um yeah it's great to be three and oh but let's not pretend that we've just been world beaters and that we've gone out and definitively made some statement that we are a, a contender and we are here to stay i would love for that to happen and at three and oh where i think the dolphins have us is all right this team could absolutely be a playoff contending team if they continued to play like this. But I've seen a lot of Dolphins teams that have started off in September hot, been playoff contending teams, and then at the end of the day, missed the playoffs and ended up eight and eight, nine and seven, just underwhelming. So I, I'm, Look, I'm happy. I'm loving that they're 3-0. I had a blast watching the game today. I went crazy at Ryan Tannehill's long touchdown throw, uh, the Albert Wilson long touchdown throw, the the clincher, uh, the Albert Wilson uh, catch and run uh, that put the Dolphins up two scores late in the fourth quarter. I loved it. I had a blast. But I'm not going to just buy in and say that this team is totally different than all of the other Dolphins teams I've watched my entire life. Absolutely. And I I, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, I, I don't want to take away from anybody's happiness because everybody that is a Dolphin fan should be happy and excited about what this team is doing. They've got a lot of possibilities, right? It's a world of possibilities for this Dolphins team. They're looking fantastic. They're playing good football. And and again, they've won three games and they haven't really played a complete good game yet. Um, and they're, they're still 3-0. So it's there's lots to be happy about. But at the same side of the coin, as we said, Dolphins teams in the past have started 3-0 and ended up not doing particularly well. In fact, I went back and I did a little bit of research. Since 1992, the Miami Dolphins have started 3-0 and seven times. And that's what, 27 seasons? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, in, a, in like 26 years. And that's... Um, and that, that they started at least 3-0. and There were a few of these years where they were went 4-0. and And uh, there was one year where I think they were 6-0 and at one point. But in those, uh, in those, of those last. I think last, that 6-0 year, we didn't make the playoffs. Um, of those, uh, no, they did. They did. Uh, uh, I'm thinking that, that year that we started like 8-1 and and then ended up 9-7. and Yeah, there are, of those seven years. That the Dolphins started the last seven years that they started 3-0. They missed the playoffs 
five times. Five of the last seven times the Dolphins have started 3-0, they've missed the playoffs. Now, I don't say that to be a Debbie Downer, but when we talk about the same old Dolphins, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. And again, we're not cheering for that to happen, but we've seen it happen many times before. And the fact that this team looks different thus far doesn't mean it's no guarantee that they're not going to find some way to collapse down the stretch. Um, so those seven times they finished 3-0, including the most recent time in 2013, that year they started 3-0, finished 8-8, eight eight, missed the playoffs. The last time before that that the Dolphins were 3-0 was 2002. They finished 9-7 and that year, but missed the playoffs. In 1998, the Dolphins finished 10 and 6, but lost in the divisional round of the playoffs. In 96, Dolphins started 3 and 0, finished 8 and 8, missed the playoffs. In 95, the Dolphins finished uh, started 3 and 0, finished 9 and 7, missed the playoffs. In 94, this is the heartbreaker. They've started 3 and 0, finished 10 and 6, and missed the playoffs. And then finally, uh, 1992, they started 3-0. That was the year the Dolphins ended up going 11-5 and and losing in the AFC Championship game at home to the Buffalo Bills. So now listen, if this Dolphins team is 3-0 and ends up losing at home in the AFC Championship game, I don't know that there's any other way to describe this season than a success. I mean, obviously, it's not a success in that you didn't win the Super Bowl, but if the I mean, I don't know that there's anybody who is a Dolphins fan. If I told you right now that the Dolphins make it to the AFC Championship in game and lose, that you don't take that bet. Well, it's um, been 26 years, 27 years. I, yeah. I think we'd take it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So all we're saying here, again, it's not to be Debbie Downers because we are happy and excited and as fired up about the Dolphins being 3-0 as anybody else is. Okay. But you've got it. If there's one thing that if you've been a long time Dolphin fan, the way that we have is you've you learn to sort of temper your expectations and and think a couple of times before deciding to drink the Kool-Aid. And that's what we're saying. Don't drink the Kool-Aid just yet. Get excited about it. Maybe pour yourself a cup of Kool-Aid, but don't necessarily drink it yet because there's a long way to go for this season. That being said, the Dolphins are 3-0 and can put a can take a stranglehold on the AFC East next week um, with a big game in New England. And uh, we'll be back with you later this week to preview that game. But in the meantime, Brain, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. I just want to leave you with one last stat just to play devil's advocate i don't know maybe i'm the devil in this in this situation so maybe this is angel's advocate but for those of you who do not think that this is the same old dolphins and want a stat to combat everything that we've said which comes with you know 26 years of of evidence and facts to to back it up if you want a, a stat to hang your hat on to be positive in the last 11 games started by Ryan Tannehill, the Miami Dolphins are 10-1. and one. So you can look at that, and that is not a small sample. And you could, you could say 
look, this is a trend. And if Ryan Tannehill wasn't hurt last year, who knows? Maybe we would have been a playoff team last year. And then we wouldn't be having this conversation all year long, or all offseason about are the Dolphins one of the worst teams in the league? And now the Dolphins are a huge surprise. We just would have expected the Dolphins to be this. Um, so if you're of that opinion that this is not the same old Dolphins, there's a stat for you that's, look, you can't really argue too much about it. Ryan Tannehill in his last 11 starts, 10 and one. And so it's good to be a Miami Dolphin. It's good to be Adam Gase. It's good to be Ryan Tannehill. And it's good to be a fan of those guys. But you can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great time to be a Dolphin fan. We're really excited about it. And hopefully this is, uh, this is momentum that continues. And hopefully at the end of the season, we can look back at this team and say, you know what? These were not, in fact, the same old Dolphins. This team is something new and it's something different going forward. That's what we're all hoping for. Um, every, everybody is hoping for that. You're hoping for that. The brain is hoping for it. I'm hoping for it. And um, we're just going to keep cheering on our team. Like we always do. You can find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. You can follow the show, of course, at Samo Dolphins. As I mentioned earlier, uh, that's on Twitter at Samo Dolphins. As I mentioned earlier, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Samo Dolphins. You can also go to Apple Podcasts and do a search for the Samo Dolphins show. You can download and uh, subscribe to our show there. You can also leave us uh, a really nice review. We would appreciate it if you did that and give us a five-star rating. Uh, even if you don't think we deserve it, we would gladly accept it from you. That would be wonderful. And of course, you can follow us on SoundCloud as well. Same old Dolphins. We will be back with you later this week to preview the Dolphins game against the New England Patriots in Foxborough. We don't know yet as we're recording uh, what the what the Patriots are going to be coming off of, whether it's a win or a loss in Detroit. We're, we're still not sure yet. That game is still ongoing as we record here, and, and I would hate to say anything that might jinx the results. So we'll, we'll have figured that out by the time we do our preview show in a couple of days. So we will look forward to talking to you then. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you in again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! <laughs>